Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Good morning. It's lovely to gather here together, isn't it? And to celebrate God. And thank you for battling with the traffic diversions and getting here. Hopefully you've had a chance to potentially wave at a few marathon runners or may do as you leave, along with joining the procession of the kids going out to their groups with their palm crosses. If we've not met before, my name's Natalie. I'm one of the vicars here, and it's really delightful to reflect on this passage. I invite you to keep your Bibles open, whether you've got them electronically or in print. But let's um, begin with a prayer. Lord Jesus, come to us in your glory, we pray. Come to us also in the passion and the pain of life today. Meet us in the midst of where our life is at and show us how we might live in ways that reveal your glory to the world. Amen. So I wonder, odd question, what Jesus you have come to worship today? Yes, that is really what I asked. What Jesus have you come to worship today? You see, that, the answer to that question is really quite important because it has implications for how we live day by day. And I'd like to explain with a rather dodgy illustration. And yes, my illustration does come with a warning. It's about football. And for those who know me, you will be laughing your stomachs off because avid supporters will really realise very quickly that I know about that much about football. I'm not a big fan. Uh, One example that will illustrate how little I know about football is that my overriding memory of a football match is from my primary school days when my home team Watford beat Southampton 7-1 in the second round of what was then known as the League Cup. In fact, in preparing this sermon, I had to work out what all the various league names were. Please don't test me on it later. I will not have remembered them. I do apologise. So why this illustration then? Well, last Sunday, between services, Mike and I had an opportunity to visit the Reading Football Training Ground, which is just over the road from where we live. Now, the grounds and the facilities are utterly, utterly incredible. I was shocked to learn during our tour that they literally have to remake the training pitches year in, year out at an eye-watering amount of money per pitch. And that's without players' salaries. So I did a bit more research about the cost of being a football supporter, because clearly I know so much about the cost of being a football supporter, not. There's the cost of tickets. There's the cost of the T-shirts and the shorts and the football boots and everything else, as well as the parking and the food and the beverages, and you factor all that together and you work out which is the most expensive and which is the cheapest football team to support. Now, I had no idea that if you wanted to be a Premier League season ticket holder, 
literally just your season ticket, just your season ticket, can be somewhere from over £2,000 to £550 per year. Ouch. One implication of being a football supporter is that it's quite expensive. Another implication, okay, I know families, I'm not going to do a hands up on this one, I know families where one, fam one member of the family supports one team and one member supports another team. Now that has real implications for family dynamic on match days sometimes, doesn't it? So hence my question, which Jesus have you come to worship today? Because this too has implications. And actually sometimes those implications about how we live in the world because of the type of Jesus we choose to follow can be quite expensive and costly. So which Jesus have you come to meet with this Palm Sunday? Within our passage, Jesus has come from Bethany where a dinner has been held in his honour at the home of Lazarus who we hear he had earlier raised from the dead. Some Jews had come to see Jesus there in Bethany. Some had also come to see Lazarus because they just couldn't believe that Jesus had raised him from the dead. Now, there are plots in place, if you read slightly earlier, to kill not only Jesus, but also Lazarus, we read in verse 11 of this chapter. Jews were going over to Jesus, believing in him because of the miracle expressed by the very walking, talking life of Lazarus. Hence, Lazarus and Jesus were both under threat of death. Jesus is a threat to those in power, and Lazarus is a living, breathing testimony of the beauty of God's power at work. And our reading is sandwiched between two conversations that Jesus has with his followers about his coming death. And in the midst of that threat of death, Jesus travels to Jerusalem. And those who have traveled with him from Bethany arrive and merge with those who are already gathered, we hear in verse 12, for the festival. The festival that they're gathered there for is the Jewish Passover celebrations. And to help you with a scale, Josephus, who was a first century Jewish historian, recorded the Passover attendance for about 30 years after the date of our reading. And it's around two and a half million. Now we have no reason to suppose that the numbers on this day would have been vastly different for the gathering 30 years later that we're reading, 30 years earlier that we're reading about. And this scale of crowd gather and they hear that Jesus is there and they come to look as Jesus enters Jerusalem. The crowd shout out in praise of him. They are wanting glory and triumph, much like a team of football supporters might want glory and triumph on the pitch. And what do they call? They call Hosanna. They call Hosanna, a cry drawn from the Hallel section of Psalm 118, 
which literally translated means give salvation now. Give salvation now. They want a triumphant entry of a king who will bring them victory now from their Roman oppressors. They don't quite get what they want from Jesus in their midst because they're looking for a battle king in their midst. You see, they've come to worship a Jesus that Jesus doesn't choose to be. They've come to worship a Jesus that Jesus doesn't choose to be. However, I do suggest they get the Jesus that they need, and this is the same Jesus that we need today. Our passage shows us that the disciples didn't understand. If you look at verse 16 of our reading, it says this, his disciples did not understand all this. In fact, they only realize, we read later in that same verse, after Jesus is glorified. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Hindsight's actually a really helpful thing today, and I'm not joking about it. It's a gift to you and I today, because you and I can see with hindsight that Jesus won the victory, but not in the give us glory and triumph win now at any cost way. Jesus, in God's good plan, knows the history of our temptation to cry out for a battling and victorious king. We long to cry out to God for answers now. Yet through this passage, Jesus teaches us that yes, he does bring triumph and victory, but the king was the kind of king that the disciples and we need for today isn't a triumph now kind of king. Jesus wants us to worship his Father in heaven, yes, and to see God's kingdom come through a king, yes, and a victorious king, yes, but not a king on a battle horse, but a king on a donkey. This is the king we read from Luke um, chapter 19, verse 41, that weeps over the city that he arrives to. We are told, as he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it. This is no Solomon-styled king loaded with material riches. Rather, Jesus is the king that Zechariah prophesied in chapter 9, verse 9. A gentle and riding on a donkey. It goes on to say his rule will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. This is a king for everyone who will accept his rule and reign. You see, there are very two different very ways one might see Jesus within our passage. You might be after the victory now on a battle horse, or you might see the humility of Jesus arriving on a donkey. How we see Jesus should impact and influence how we choose to follow him. And I'd like to suggest the way we should choose to follow him is cross-shaped, the way with a donkey, without a battle horse. So we need to ask ourselves, are we here to worship Jesus because we want and expect a Jesus who would choose a battle horse over a donkey, 
a Jesus who will come at our beck and call and in our timing? Are we with the crowd crying, give us salvation now? Because we'll find a Jesus with a slightly different plan. A Jesus who came to Jerusalem with his eyes set straight on a cross-shaped way to his Father's kingdom. If all we seek is a victory now, Jesus, we find ourselves trying to live a parody of the Christian life. The impact of attempting to worship Jesus this way is we portray Jesus as an always perfect, always victorious now faith. And then when we or those we are around experience the pain of the cross and hit the challenges of life that face us in the world because Jesus hasn't come a second time yet, we'll find ourselves like the disciples, perplexed and confused and missing the point. The Jesus we see on Palm Sunday lived to bring God's kingdom plan into being via the cross, not bypassing it, because he knew that this was God's way for victory to be won. Jesus lived through the pain of cross-shaped death in order to win for us freedom, to win for us healing. Jesus experienced in Holy Week disciples who fell asleep when he wanted their support. And so this coming week on Monday, Thursday, on Good Friday, we get the chance to travel through the pain of that week. And we take time to look at Jesus' suffering because Jesus' suffering is important because it wins something different. Looking and worshipping a Jesus who chose a cross-shaped way of life rather than the glory and acclamation that was offered him on Palm Sunday, reminds us that there's a very different impact of worshipping this Jesus. It means that we have a faith that's real and strong in the face of suffering and pain, rather than a Jesus who rides past it. It's this Jesus that we're invited to worship, the one who chose to die, that many may have life. So like supporting a top-flight football club, worshipping a cross-shaped Jesus has costly implications for how we follow. If we worship the come now, take the adoration now, Jesus, we'll not see the freedom and love and saving grace that's won through the pain of the cross. There's an impact if we diminish Jesus just to a story rather than a real, living, dying and still living person in the world. Jesus says this in verse 24, if you read further on in our chapter. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. If we follow that Jesus, then the invitation to us is to pick to ride beside Jesus on a donkey, not a war horse. So we, as Jesus did, 
pick the humble path. We are invited to pick sacrificial acts of holy boldness. Sacrificial acts of holy boldness for God's sake. The Jesus of Palm Sunday invites us to recreate our lives around his way of being, a way that expresses faith in the midst and the mess of life, with all its highs and with all its lows. And especially on the high days, we're invited to pick the humble path. We're invited to need and worship the Jesus who chooses a cross for our sake. So this Holy Week, come meet and worship this Jesus, the one who saw that love could not be declared in a momentary victory, but the love that is revealed through the cross. And in a moment of quiet, take a look at your life as I too take a look at mine and say, Lord Jesus, is my life truly cross-shaped? Let's pause for a minute and then I'll pray. Lord Jesus, Help us to follow your cross-shaped lifestyle. By your spirit, help us to let go of our ego, to see the value of riding beside you on a donkey towards the pain of a cross. Help us to see the suffering in our city and weep as you wept over the suffering of Jerusalem. Help us to respond not with quick victory now, but with the journey through the cross, so that we might celebrate your way of winning victory, the love and the grace revealed by your death on a cross. Amen.